Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Needham. I'm an Amazon seller and uh, just exploring all the different ways that, that what that term means. And I have with me today, Ben Leonard. Um, it didn't take me long in learning about Ben's story, where I was like, yes, let's get you on the podcast. This is exactly like, this is the right message for at the right time right now. So um, just a little bit of background. He built his own brand uh, on Amazon and we'll dive into that. But then he was, you know, a few years later, short, uh, a few short years later, uh, he was able to sell it being one of Thrasio's first acquisitions. That's awesome right there. So Ben, welcome. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Good to be here. So um, you started a fitness brand in 2016. That's right. Was was Amazon yeah. your first channel? It, wa- it was, yeah. Um, so... Um... I started a fitness brand despite the fact that, that I was the kid at school, the asthmatic kid who was last to be picked for sports. <laughs> um, so so how, how did I end up doing that was an interesting thing. But um, the truth is I, I learned to love sport and fitness uh, later in life when I was at university. Okay. And so a few years after that, yeah, it, it became the natural thing to, to start a fitness brand. I kind of stumbled into it uh, as a hobby. It was never my intention to, to get into entrepreneurship or e-commerce, but then I discovered a, a spark. Yeah. Tell us a little bit how like it started to grow. Like, you know, even any specifics, you could jump into to whatever. I mean, uh, so everyone's at a different yeah, absolutely. stage. So this. yeah, the initial idea happened around about the end of 2015 and uh, kind of matured in, in early 2016. I thought, right, I got to do something with this. What happened was I I, uh, I got really ill with a heart condition. It was, it was the third time that I'd had it. And um, the doctors basically said, right, you need to do virtually nothing in terms of your fitness hobbies. So no more boxing, no CrossFit, no running, no lifting heavy weights. Um, and you need to take all of the drugs for like nine months. Wow. And uh, so that sucked. And I needed something to do. And I needed to, I really wanted to stay in touch with those hobbies, even if I couldn't do them. And my, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife was studying. So she was busy. And so I started this fitness brand. Um, I was kind of sadly tidying out my gym bag and looking at all the kit that I wasn't using and thinking, hmm, I could do a better job of that. And, and at this point, right, I, I had no background in business at all. My background mm-hmm. is ecology, right? I'm a trained whale and dolphin nerd. No, I'll actually and, say any any uh, private label brand that I hear, that sentence is probably one of the best ways to start to say like, oh, totally. I, I can do better than that. Yeah. And, and you got to have, it's got to be about something you're interested in, right? You know, yeah. I started a fitness brand because I'm interested in fitness. I didn't start a knitting brand. I don't know anything <laughs> about knitting, right? right? And that's important. A couple of years previously, I'd been training at CrossFit and I remember it was a hard session. At the end of the session, somebody said, oh, we, we beasted it today. And I kind of stored that in the back of my mind. We beasted it, beast, beast, beast gear. Beast gear would be a cool name for fitness brand. So fast forward to that sad day. Uh, I'm sadly looking through my gym kit and uh, had the idea that I could do a better job. Beast Gear will be the brand name, I thought to myself. Um, I was one of those people who believed that when you buy something on Amazon, you're buying it from Amazon. I didn't even know that third-party selling was a thing, let alone about selling direct-to-consumer on my own website. So I began this this entrepreneurial journey, if you like, of learning by doing, Mm -hmm. Um, trying something out, seeing what happens, uh, analyzing the results, 
thinking about what that means, tweaking it and going again, rinse and repeat. Uh, three and a half years later, the business, it turned out I was pretty good at it. The business was worth um, mid seven figures and I sold it. That's awesome. So um, I actually have seen Thrasio, um, you know, show off this acquisition. Uh, it's an attractive brand and, you know, a variety of uh, sporting uh, things. So, I mean, um, I, I actually think before I even talked to you, I'd, I'd seen uh, this brand before. And so that's, that, that's great. Like, and um, I mean, there's like so much to piece apart uh, from sure. that. Um, I mean, you, like, like you said, you didn't really know a lot when you started, but um, you know, Amazon represented this opportunity where like, if you get the right product in front of the right audience, like things just kind of take off. Um, Absolutely. What kind of growth did you experience, you know, say year one versus year three? Like what's, what's like, did it yeah. continue to, to, it, to, it was incredible. Really. Um, I remember the, the, the early days, right. Uh, I used to check the seller central app on my phone and I, I'd tell my, my wife, I'd say, Oh, I got five sales today. And, and then she'd say, yeah, but how many of them were friends of yours? And I'd say, Oh, well, <laughs> And then eventually, you know, we got to a day where it was like, I got 15 sales today. And, I had, you know, at this point, I've got one product. She says, and how many of them were friends? And I said, none. 15 strangers on the yeah. internet bought yeah, my well. stuff, right? And then it was a case of, um, you know, I had, a, I had a target demographic, right? I had a, a type of person who I was serving. And it was simply a case of develop more products to solve problems or pain points for those same people you know, related products that make sense, and then put those same products into more, more markets. As I expanded across Europe and eventually into the Middle East and Australia, I, I didn't go to the US. And so in terms of growth, the growth was absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, and it, so by the time I sold it, we were doing mid seven figures. And, we, you know, year one, was you know several hundred thousand okay. year two you know we're over seven figures and by year year three and a half we're we're mid seven figures so you know yep i mean put, that put that together so that's like that's the story that you know we do hear a lot like that's uh a, a very standard success story for amazon and what uh in my experience and it sounds like you like this is like repeatable you know, this is something that other people can do. Um, so like, I want to ask you um, when, you know, you were looking to sell the business or even after the business, like what were some of the hangups? What were some like lessons that you kind of learned the hard way uh, yep. about, you know, when you finally were packaging it and, and uh, going through sure. that? So I learned a lot of lessons along the way. And fortunately, I learned some quite early so that by the time the business was ready to sell and by, by the time I knew I wanted to sell it, I was able to get it fairly neatly packaged up and very presentable, right? Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, the, the actual um, process of selling is, is incredibly intense, right? You think you worked hard on your business, then you try yeah, to sell it at no, the same time as run it, right? D due diligence is a lot of just... Uh, <laughs> A lot of work. Yeah, and rightly so, right? But, yeah. you know, I, I was half expecting someone to come to my door and, like, scan my retinas. That's how intense it was. 
Yeah, that's right. But but in terms of lessons, um, here's an important one, right? It's something that that is discussed fairly often now on on podcasts and, and other uh, content forms in this space because it's such an important issue that's often been neglected, which is intellectual property. So not just and I'm not just talking about trademarks, right? I'm talking about getting your designs properly uh, protected. For instance, I created a product which was not novel in terms of its function but was a novel design in terms of its appearance. And I had a very skilled trademark attorney protect that design. And because my product was superior, it became the leader in that space to the detriment of a brand which had existed kind of without competition for probably close to a decade. And they got very upset naturally because they weren't crushing it anymore. And they tried to sue me and bully me out of business, knowing that I was a one-person operation running a business on a laptop in a cupboard. <laughs> but fortunately, I had taken the time, following good advice, to get protected. And I was able to fend off their um, threats and continue to sell. You know, that's a very abridged form of what was a very stressful battle at the time. Yeah. Um, another really important lesson kind of related to that is to, to jump through hoops Right. So quite often in, in any business, but particularly e-commerce, I think we see a hoop in the road, all right, that we have to jump through or we may have to jump through. And our first reaction is to go, oh, oh no, another thing to deal with. Right. Some more bureaucracy <laughs> yeah. or oh some goodness. other just some other crap we've got to put up with. And we may have the option to turn around and go back the other way or take a slightly different path. But before you do that, the hoop is transparent, right? Take a look through the hoop and see what's on the other side. And then ask yourself, well, actually, if I go through all the effort of doing this, is there a reward on the other side? I've got one right now that's uh, that I'm dealing with. It. Like, I have to go through so much paperwork uh, to uh, move into a few new marketplaces. Uh, we've got a brand that we're moving into um, the EU and working with a tax advisor. I'm like, it's like 50 pages that like yeah. things I need to be doing. And I yep. like, but then again, I'm like, I know it's just a hoop. I just got to collect all these documents and I got you know to go through it. That's the exact example I was going to give. So when I wanted to jump through that hoop, it was 2017, I believe. And so it was easier. It's easier now than it was then. And I had to register for VAT in France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Poland, and Czech Republic. And now you got to add on Sweden and the Netherlands and Austria as well. And it's not easy because there's quite a lot of very specific individual things you have to do. Like in Spain, you can only have certain documents translated by a particular translator who's got a particular certification. And you have to get things physically stamped using a wax stamp by like a registered notary. Tons of rubbish you've got to do. But when I jumped through all these hoops, my sales practically doubled overnight because other people just couldn't be bothered to do it. It was too painful for them. Uh, no. Uh, exactly. Anytime you've gotten through some sort of gate, um, there's a lot of people that didn't get through that gate. And all of a sudden, you're, the amount of competitors yep. out there are, are less. Uh, yep. And say some of the people inside that country, like, you know, you gave Spain, for example, having, you know, that limitation. There's not as many Amazon professionals in Spain, you know, that. that Precisely. Uh, and, you know, you're coming at it with, you know, you already had a brand. And so, uh that this is exactly what I needed here today <laughs> because I, I I've mentally pushed it off, but I know that like, I'm like, I got to yeah. do this. Yeah. Got to get it done. And you know what that learning of like jumping through hoops and well, like you say, it's like, 
you know, overcoming the barrier, right? That's one of the great things about after you exit a business. So I, I'm building new brands now. And so because I have had an exit and have a bit more money behind me, I can actually go into niches that have a higher barrier to entry just in terms of, you know, the cost per unit, which are much mm-hmm. less saturated with less competition and a bit a little bit more exciting to play around in. So that's yeah. kind of one of the learnings so, that I've taken with me. Um, and like, yeah, you, you totally highlight a point is that like, um, I'm very much of the opinion that like, you know, Thrasio or even competing against Amazon, like there's certain ways that they're going to beat us. They've got more resources, yep. you know, they've got uh, polished professionals or whatever, but there are ways for sm- that small sellers can beat us. Like uh, my retail company, Buy Boxer, we get out hustled all the time. And, uh, but in spite of all of our software systems that we, that we have, like, so I really think that like small brands can, uh, out hustle. And then, you know, after a year, two, three years, then all of a sudden they have their own advantages. Like Precisely. Like I like to think of it, I call it like micro agility, right? We are more nimble right we are little speed boats and the big guys are big cruise ships and both are great i love cruises right but the <laughs> yeah. boat takes half a day to turn around whereas a little speed boat you know can pivot very very quickly and do lots of cool neat little tricks yeah um one of the one of the disadvantages about when your brand gets acquired by a, a larger corporation is sometimes because you know your passengers are disembarking your speedboat and loading onto a cruise ship well it's not quite so nimble anymore so my, yeah. my advice for some of the the aggregators that I speak to uh, is actually rather than being a cruise ship, yeah, yes, continue to be huge, but actually be like a flotilla of lots and lots of speedboats. <laughs> yeah. right? Keep keep taking the learnings from the little guys. And yeah. I consult with with some big brands, right? Some big, you know, you proper know, I, household I, name I, brands. I, I and I, a, that's what I tell them to do. I had Elevate Brands on the podcast here uh, just a few weeks ago. And it sounds like they were trying to do what you just said. They're like, okay, well, we can't do this like big monolith. We got to get like a lot of small pods or teams. Yeah, and if they really if they close. do that, they'll crush it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, if there's one thing that like uh, I think is hard to grasp is the amount of brands that are on Amazon. This is not just like you know, there's going to be a hundred successful brands. There are thousands. Uh, of brands. And so that's why like we, I'm not scared at all about like what these aggregators bring on there. There is, it's just a huge ocean. Um, I mean, this, this is confirmed when I work on smart scout that like there are, you know, thousands, like tens of thousands of sellers that are very successful. There are tens of thousands of brands that are like doing interesting things. So um, there's, Oh, absolutely room for a few more. Um, oh, so, totally. The pie is enormous. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so you sold your business and now you sounds like you're involved doing this, you know, doing it again. You've got the lessons that you've had for the past few years. Um, and are you building another brand with, with another, uh, exit in mind is that from the beginning you're thinking about that or uh yeah yeah okay. so that's what's changed right so the first time i stumbled it into into it as a hobby right yeah um something to do that would hopefully earn me some extra pocket money and um give me some some cool fitness kit at the end of it <laughs> um now right um having learned you know a significant amount since then i am building 
uh, straight off the bat, building to sell. And, you know, there's a lot of learning that I can take from the first time around and feed into that. And at the same time, just the whole process of selling, I can now reverse engineer. And I'm going to do it multiple times over. That's cool. the plan. Yeah. And um, you've been helping other people do this. Uh, sure. Yeah. I understand. Uh, so, you know, once you've gone through it and you've kind of seen, you know, a few years of how the marketplace has evolved, you're able to help, uh, I, uh, you know, in a strategic way. I kind of like give someone top level views, expand on that. Like, you know, I've got a brand uh, that we acquired in October from a cousin, uh, but, you know, it's doing, you know, a few million on Amazon and, you know, we're still trying to like flex those muscles of taking this private label brand, figuring out the logistics, uh, coupling it with the right uh, people, but like, uh, we're st- we're still. I-, I know there's still some things that we have to solve for. For example, yep. um, he- here's here's a problem: is we are keep launching new. Pro- we're launching more products, private yeah. label products, and they're not all related to each other. We're not like you yeah. know. We're not trying to dominate a subcategory. We've got home goods, and we've got sporting equipment, and we've got uh, uh, toys. And, Are they under the same brand name? Um, no. Uh, okay, that's good. There, there's a few different brand names, and 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 to be fair to our credit, some of them actually do make sense. We're like, okay, okay, this is a defendable, you know, brand, uh, a line of things that makes sense. But some of them, not quite. Like, actually, we do have like kind of a catch-all. We're like, we're just going to throw everything in here if it doesn't fit uh, one of these other things. So, should I be like? really focus on making sure that they fall in like a brand that like is coherent or um, is the spray and pray approach. All right. Where like, you know, we just, you're like, Hey, that's an interesting idea. Go for it. Oh, here's an interesting idea. Go for it. It can work provided, provided you do it right. So if you have one company and that company or one business, right. And that business owns several discrete brands and each brand has a very discrete identity. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Right. right. Cause the consumer who buys from brand a probably doesn't even know that the well, brand right. brand huh. B, C and D are owned by the same company. That's all right. What I would say is that it's important that at least somebody within the organization has a, has a passion for, or an interest in, each of those brands, right? Because without that, it's difficult to get into the mindset and understand your customer avatar and therefore build a suite of products that solves problems for those customers and effectively market to those customers. Because I think one of the, historically, it was okay to kind of just sell stuff on Amazon, right? But now uh, I think the focus really needs to be building legitimate brands with a legitimate identity and a real connection to the customers, both on and off Amazon. That's what buyers are looking for. That's what customers are looking for. And that's what, you know, buyers of businesses are looking for right. long term, I think. And uh, it's a more sustainable play. Yeah. And you know, I came across an example that confirms that yesterday, someone had an idea of like yoga mats for kids. And <laughs> I was like, Ooh, that's actually interesting. There's not a lot of competition, you know, yoga no. mats specified to kids. And what, what I really liked about it, is it's kind of open for design. You could like create a any type of design that would work uh, for you know a different kid's like personality. And yep. there's only one listing on Amazon.com where I was like, okay, they did it right. 
and there's room for more. Um, and definitely, then I, then I mean, I actually, that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Then I looked through them and, uh, they, these are, um, they actually are part of a family of yoga mats. They have like ones for adults as well. And I'm like, Oh shoot, they know yoga mats. You know, I want to go against someone that kind of doesn't that's that, that, that does that, but like they have a coherent brand of like, you know, child and adult yoga mats. And so me as a consumer, I'm like, okay, they understand the segment. But yes. if I didn't, if we built, you know, child yoga mats and we didn't have that presence of adult yoga mats, we're going to look a little bit more like, you know, w- uh, more of a crapshoot. Uh, that's true. More of like we don't really know. We're just trying something. Yeah, that's true. But on the other hand, considering that there's still there's not very much competition it's that's kind of okay like it's okay to accept where when we start this other brand is still going to look like more experienced than us as more maybe as more of an authority in this space but you just kind of have to accept that and as you grow and develop your brand you do everything you can to build that authority right uh, as a thought leader in that space of kids yoga and then as the brand develops and you have you begin to get the resources and potentially you could expand into, you know, yoga for the whole family. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, it's that ability to expand, like, you know, don't be overwhelmed by like being a new player. Um, yeah. You just have to start. The, the reason I bring up this example, you know, on Tuesday we decided like, Oh, we can't do yoga mats right now. Uh, we, we had something, we had a block so, you know, if someone else out there it wants a, an idea, like, trust me, just do, just, you could, just, just search yeah. it. And like, there's an opportunity there. Absolutely. In the, in the same way that like mindfulness meditation for kids is now a thing, right? There's a, a good deal of overlap there with yoga. Yeah. And the explosion in yoga over the last decade, well, a lot of those people who first got into it when they were perhaps, you know, in, the, in their teens are now having kids, right? Or in yeah. their early 20s are now having kids. So and um, it's, it's something niche. that Somebody a parent, are, they're going to do it. A parent wouldn't think twice about buying it. This is exactly what they want to buy for their kids. Definitely. No, I appreciate that. I got a little bit of uh, of uh, strategic uh, <laughs> ideas from you right now. And you you've been involved with transactions, and then like it sounds like you're also helping people get to a potential you know, yeah. sale. What do you think is probably, you know, uh, a lesson or two that people can hear now or that you like you, that you learned in terms of getting ready for uh, selling their business? The, f- the first thing to do is go read a book called Built to Sell by John Warrillow. Uh, I don't know him. I don't earn anything for telling everyone to buy that book, but it's a fantastic book. Um, Built to Sell by John Warrillow. And actually another great book to read is, um, which you should read even if you don't want to sell. It's called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Uh, Both those books, even if you don't want to sell, will help you uh, set your business up very nicely for success because a happy side effect of having a business that is um, well-structured, neat and tidy, uh, ready to sell, is that naturally everything is much more smooth and efficient and therefore the business will just kind of more naturally succeed, right? What I like to tell people is, you know, there was a time when we all got into e-commerce because we believed rightly or wrongly in many cases rightly but in a lot of cases wrongly <laughs> that it, it was a it was a great it was a great way to uh get wealthy right but it, it it's really not until you sell right um unless you grow your business to be absolutely enormous 
it, it, you can't sustainably take out significantly high amounts of cash, right? I completely build, agree with you on that. Yeah, right. Because because you you know and you need to weight your outputs so that they're significantly higher than your inputs. That's the only way to really build wealth out of a job. And until you sell your business. Um, or you've you've developed it to the point at which you've taken yourself out of the business and you're really just the visionary leader, and then you've really just got a job, but there's nothing wrong with that. But what you've got to develop is an asset that has value and then sell it. So if you're just starting now, or even if you're not starting now, right, and you're several years in and you really think, no, nah, I never want to sell, this is my baby, that's absolutely fine. But please begin to consider what a buyer is going to be looking at when they open the hood of your business and take a look at the engine. Because what we see is a lot of businesses that have absolutely amazing listings, incredible reviews, fantastic social media, slick website. And then the buyer goes and does their due diligence or potential buyer. And it's an absolute mess. Google sheets here, documents there, Evernote lists here, stuff stored in the seller's head here random SOPs on people's computers on the other side of the world, not stored in a Dropbox or a Google Drive. And it's it's messy. It makes the sale much less smooth. It can put buyers off of doing the deal and can result in uh, them wanting a discount. If you do the work now to make your business neat and tidy, organized, and such that when somebody wants to come and look at it and do their due diligence, you, ha- you can hand over everything and be proud of what you're handing over, right? Much and such like you might when you sell your house, clean it before you move out, right? Yeah. Do that. Do the work. And there will come a day when you're very, very happy that you yeah. did because um, selling a business is the most intense part of ever owning and running your business. Sheesh. So if you get prepared <laughs> now, it'll be a hell of a lot less painful. Um, I, yeah, that's my advice. No, that's, that's excellent advice. I mean, first off, like, I think I found my next audiobook. I'm going to have to get this. I've heard of this book before, but I think uh, I'll probably grab the right insights right now. So built to sell. I'm glad to hear you kind of say some of those things when I've actually, you know, we have, we deal with virtual assistants uh, in various capacities. And when I, if I have an employee that is using one, uh, to offload some of the tasks and like, don't just like tell them what to do. You need to be creating, uh, you know, little video snippets or, uh, yep. you know, document like what you're giving them. So yep. because you may lose this virtual assistant, make it so the next one that you train is just easier. Yep. And, but not only that, uh, if there's an acquisition, you can show that documentation to your buyer and all of a sudden they're like, okay, there's, there's processes here. Oh yeah. Yeah. All of those, all of those things, when you build out systems, uh, um, operations procedures and put them together into, you know, an operations manual for your business, that is a valuable asset, Uh which will, uh, you know, be mightily impressive to anyone who's considering buying your business. So that's great advice. Awesome. Obviously, you're someone worth like working with um, or even networking with. How can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're looking for help to sell your business, whether it's now or whether you want us to take a look at your business and work with you over a period of time, potentially to, to hit a goal, whether that's a time-related goal or a valuation-related goal, head over to ecombrokers.co.uk, um, where we'll be able to help you. Um, it's a UK domain, but we operate globally. And if you're looking for some more 
strategic advice uh, from someone who's been there and done it on your e-commerce business. And my website is benleonard.pro. All right. Yeah, that looks pretty sharp. And I mean, you, uh, your authority here is, you know, being one of the first acquisitions of Thrasio speaks a lot. I swear when I first came across Thrasio, uh, I think, you know, your brand was one of their first case studies that they just like showed off of like, Hey, yeah, they use me in a lot of their stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, which, which is, is fine and, and great. And they're good guys. And yeah, I, you know, I, I, definitely recommend talking to them. Um, so, you know, there's nothing wrong with going, going, well, they, going and having they, they a conversation. Just announced, they just announced their hundredth acquisition. So they are, they're on a tear and, um, and, and doing great. Well, um, Ben, thank you so much for your time and, uh, for sharing some of your insights. I, I love your story. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're more healthy now uh, oh, that. Oh yeah. Heart problem completely done. Yeah. All good. But I'm sure, good. I'm sure it was an important step for uh, your career as a, as a helped you launch a successful brand. That's a, it's a, not the story I was expecting to hear, but um, that's awesome. So yeah. All good. Yeah. Thanks man. All right. Well, thank you everyone. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, I've got more episodes coming, so make sure you uh, hit that subscribe button. And if you want to, to flatter me much more, you know, tell a friend about the podcast, you know, it's worthwhile for me to invest more time in it. Thank you everyone. And uh, take care. Bye.